What's up, watch fam? Welcome to episode eight of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm here today with Debbie Case and Crown. How's it going today? Great. It's really great to be here. I'm excited. That's wonderful. Thank you for making the time to come on and uh, talk with myself and uh, tell the listeners about what you're all about and what got you into this hobby. Yes, my pleasure. Um, so you'd like me to start with how I got into watches? Well, let's start uh, with the uh, the standard wrist check. Of, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, what do you got on the wrist today? Good idea. So I'm wearing a brew retromat, not brew retromatic, sorry. I've been talking about the brew retromatic so much. This is the brew HP1, mm-hmm. um, the all black version. Mm-hmm. And um, this is really my first nice watch. So I wore that tonight because uh, I'm going to be talking about how I got this watch and how it really got me into collecting watches. Very cool. Very cool. And for those that are sort of uninitiated to the brew brand, what is the HP one? The HP one is an automatic watch um, with a date and uh, the HP stands for high pressure, I believe. Um, I'll talk more about brew and how I discovered brew and what the whole concept behind the brew watch company is, but it's really tied into coffee. So when we're talking brew, we're not talking about brewing beer. We're talking about brewing coffee. Awesome. Terrific. And uh, for myself, just a bit of a strange coincidence, and I assure you this was not planned. I'm wearing my brew retromatic. So nice. that's, uh, that's very cool. We, uh, I'm a big fan of, of brew as well. And John's an awesome guy. He'll be mm-hmm. uh, coming up on the show, I believe on March 1st. So Excellent. he'll be uh, doing an episode with the podcast as well. So I'm very excited to have him on. But this is your show, not here to talk about John. So <laughs> why don't uh, you let myself and the watch fam know like what got you into watches what got you into your uh, instagram page and, and how did it start so i have a friend who is a watch collector mm-hmm. i've known him for a while now and he was always talking about watches and buying watches and going to watch meetings and i would think to myself i don't get this i don't understand um what what watch meetings are all about but I thought it was kind of cool that he had this hobby Mm. and um I had never owned anything but Timexes and fossils Mm -hmm. and um so one day he said to me I'm gonna give you one of my watches so he gave me this Swatch System 51 and I'd never had an automatic watch before. And I always, I knew about automatic watches and I thought they were very cool, but I'd always had quartz or mechanical watches that needed winding. And um, when he gave me this watch, I thought, wow, first of all, the open case back was really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just completely different from anything I had ever owned. So I wore it all the time. And um I wore it maybe for about a year and a half and then it stopped working. Mm -hmm. So I said to him, where, what should I do? Where can I take this to get it fixed? And he said to me, Oh, it's not worth it. Um, It's what you'd spend to fix it. It wouldn't even be, you know, the watch isn't worth that much. Um, I later found out that uh, these watches are hermetically sealed and they can't be repaired. So they're Uh kind of a, you buy it, when it dies, that's it. 
Mm. You're done. So I was really disappointed. And um, I was back to wearing my fossil watches. And then we were having a conversation one day in the summer of 2017. And I was telling him about internet dating and how I was finding it very frustrating. And I wasn't meeting anybody that interested me. Um, and it was just uh, turning out to be, part of it was hilariously funny and part of it was just frustrating. So he said to me, look, I'm gonna challenge you throw away your coffee maker. And I want you instead every morning to go to your nearest Starbucks and um, sit there and drink your coffee. And I guarantee you that within two months, some guy is going to approach you and, you know, hit on you. <laughs> so, okay. So I said, no, that's not going to work. And that's not going to happen. So he said, I bet you it will. I said, okay, we had made bets before. And uh, he said, what do you want to bet? And I said, okay, I want a new watch because my swatch died. And so he said, all right, you're on two months. So faithfully for two months, I drove to Starbucks, sat there, drank my coffee, nothing. The only person who ever talked to me was probably the manager. And he was just being friendly because I'm sitting at the coffee bar there. And so I report in and say, nothing's happening. It's been three weeks. It's been four weeks. So what I realized after about a month was that this Starbucks had a drive-through. So a lot of the regulars were just people who were driving up outside and not coming in. Mm -hmm. So I think that probably worked in my favor in terms of getting the watch. Okay. Um, so I even offered to go to a different Starbucks that didn't have a drive-through. That was a longer drive. But he said, no, 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 just stick with it for the two months and we'll see what happens. Well, after two months, I said, well, that's it. You lost the bet. You have to send me a watch. So he said to me, okay, I've been thinking about it and I have the perfect watch for okay. you to win in this bet. So when the package arrived, I opened it up and it was this Brew HP1. And I had never seen a watch like this before. Um, it was very different from anything I had ever owned or would even think of buying. For one thing, it's all black, um, very sleek. And I knew it was a much nicer watch than I had ever owned. So I, I went online, of course, Googled brew watches. Mm -hmm. And that was when I started discovering this whole microbrand world. Mm. I read about the owner and designer and how he single-handedly had designed these watches and he now had other watches and um i just love the concept of this one guy in new york city designing and producing and selling these watches mm. so i was really excited about the watch i wore it for two and two and a half years i think every day and uh, then it started losing time. So now I thought, okay, what do I do? I, where do I take this watch to get it serviced? I knew this watch was worth servicing. So I remembered that on the Brew website, I could contact the owner. And so I sent him an email and 
I would say within an hour, probably mm -hmm. I got an email back from John, Jonathan Ferrer, and he gave me some advice. I, he said, I'll be glad to have you send it here, or you can take it to a local watchmaker. And so I thought, ah, oh, I don't know about sending this watch to New York city. You know, this was also new to me. So I mm -hmm. took it to a local watchmaker. Well, in the meantime, the watchmaker kept it for quite a long time. Um, when I got it back, it was running perfectly. But in the meantime, now I'm doing more investigating. So I read more about Brew, and then I noticed that somehow I discovered that um, Jonathan was going to be on a podcast. Hmm. So this was how I realized that there are watch podcasts that people listen to. Yes. So I listened to him on podcasts and then that led me to another podcast and another podcast and I was listening more and more and now I got really excited about this whole community of people that's out there mm -hmm. who are interested in watches and all different kinds of watches. So while I'm waiting for this watch to come back to me, I um, was looking at other watches on his website and I decided I, I definitely wanted one of the retrographs, mm. but they were out of stock. Mm -hmm. So then I was looking at the mastergraph and I thought, oh, I think I'm going to buy my first nice watch. Mm -hmm. So I did. I ordered the brew mastergraph uh, with the um, silver dial, I guess it is. And in the meantime, this watch came back to me, but I remember the incredible excitement of opening that box and seeing that my first my first watch purchase of a really beautiful watch and I opened it up and I was so amazed at how much more beautiful the watch was holding it in my hand mm -hmm. than just looking at the photos on the website and uh I, I remember I actually got tears in my eyes because I was like, I bought this watch. I own this watch now. And that led me on to exploring. I started hearing about other micro brands and I became mm -hmm. fascinated by this concept of micro brands. Mm -hmm. um, having owned Timexes and, and Fossils and having heard about brands like Rolex and Omega and Seiko but finding out that there are brands that are small businesses in mm -hmm. comparison. And uh, I just love the concept of that. Mm -hmm. So that was how I got started in listening to podcasts. And then I, um, my next purchase, I decided because I live on a lake that I wanted a watch I could take in the water mm -hmm. or take boating. And so I had heard about Laurier Mm. And I bought the Laurier Neptune, mm -hmm. Laurier Neptune three was my second watch purchase, which was my first dive watch. And um, so now I wanted to post pictures of my watches on my Instagram account. Mm -hmm. And so I did, but then I thought the few people that I have on my private Instagram account are going to think, why is she posting pictures of her wrist with a watch on it? Mm -hmm. Even though I had started seeing them on Instagram. So I thought, all right, I need to make a dedicated watch account so I don't bore my friends with pictures of my watches. So mm. that was how I launched my case and crown uh, account. So. That's, that's wonderful. It's a very uh, interesting backstory and history. And it, it's 
cool to see like the role that like brew is has, has played specifically in uh, in that process for you and then obviously your appreciation of uh micro brands and the appeal to them of, of uh, the more independent companies over some of the big ones that are out there mm -hmm. right that, that's and i think that um so this this appreciation for the micro brands and this interest in them that is sort of led to uh your following growing quite a bit and also your following kind of dubbing you the uh the micro brand queen is that correct Yes, I did not create that title for myself. Okay. Um, I'm a member of a group, a really great group out of Boston, which really is for uh, watch enthusiasts all over New England. It's called mm -hmm. Boston Watch Shots Group. Mm -hmm. And there are, I think now over 100 members of the wow. group. And we have a group uh, chat. Mm -hmm. The group has never met in person because mm -hmm. of COVID. Mm -hmm. So that's something we're looking forward to doing in the future. But for now we have Zoom uh, meetings about once a month. Okay. And, um, you know, always every day people are posting wrist shots. So I got invited into the group and I was told, you know, make sure you post a, a wrist shot. And so I started, you know, posting, I think the first, watch it coincided with my first um purchase of an the Oris aquas mm. was a big purchase that i made this summer too mm. and i um joined the group and i think that was my first post and then as time went on they were like you bought another micro brand you bought another micro brand you bought another micro um, this was all just last summer and into the fall. And so a couple of them started calling me, oh, she's the microbrand queen. And one of the guys calls me the uh, Khaleesi, microbrand Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. And so then uh, right after Christmas, I had bought the Monta Noble hmm. and it arrived uh, right around Christmas time. And so I posted a picture and then... Um, Spence from Whiskey and Watches podcast commented and said, you must be the American microbrand queen. And so then I said, well, it's funny you should say that because the guys in my watch group have been calling me that. So if, if you want to call me that officially on Instagram, I'll take it. So that's very how cool. that came about. That's very cool. And so how quickly after um, beginning your Instagram page and kind of becoming a part of this larger community, did you start getting into uh, other groups like that Boston wristwatch shot group and um, some of the other smaller kind of niches and communities within the watch collecting hobby? Uh, the, let's see. So I really started in May was when I started. Um, that's probably, that's when I bought the, um, <clears throat> brew Mastergraph and the, and the Laurier Neptune. And by summer I had bought a couple more watches mm -hmm. and I, that's when I got into the Boston watch shots group. Mm -hmm. And then the only other group that I'm officially a part of is, um, has to do with another podcast with uh, 40 and 20 on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. And we have a, um, a chat group there through that too for the for the patrons um and then other than that i've just connected with so many people from all over the world that i find it fascinating to talk to people from england and um from the west coast and 
so many um, places that I've never been. Mm-hmm. And I love the photography that some of these people post. So um, it's just been a, a real joy to have making all these connections and appreciate people's photography, whether it's of their watches or scenes from where they live. And it's really been something to look forward to appreciating during this time when I'm, you know, feeling sort of isolated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. during the the COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. And so would you say that that sense of uh, community of interaction with people in other places and kind of that glimpse into different parts of the world, as well as uh, being able to share this mutual appreciation of of timepieces kind of as a unifying factor and force amongst uh, people everywhere. Are you finding that's sort of like the biggest benefit that you're getting from being part of the watch fam or how do you find like, what's your favorite thing about the watch fam? What do you find there? How do they impact your, your life in the day to day? Mm, That's a great question. I think that I have found it to be mostly an incredibly positive place Mm -hmm. and a very supportive and positive community Mm -hmm. it's um i got off facebook a while back Mm -hmm. and for the most part i find people in my watch instagram are just always saying nice things to each other and Mm -hmm. commenting on their you know photos and excited for them when they get a new watch and so on. And that's really been true with the Boston Watch Outs group. They've mm-hmm. just been uh, really supportive of each other, excited for each other. And also, since I'm so new to watch collecting, I've had a lot to learn mm-hmm. and have never felt awkward about putting a question into the Boston Watch Outs group chat. Won't I never worry that they're going to think I'm dumb or uneducated they're just there to help mm-hmm. and they've been wonderful and that's pretty much what i found through the whole watch community comment on someone's post and get a message back thanking you and it's been a really wonderfully positive experience yeah i've, I've found that uh, there seems to be only really two universal rules when it comes to the watch fam. And it's essentially talk about watches and don't be a jerk. That's basically it. <laughs> Those are and, good rules. Yeah. And, and, I, and I find that everything else beyond that is kind of just have fun, enjoy yourself and, and mm-hmm. just don't take it too seriously. I think that this uh, hobby is kind of an escape for a lot of people, right? And, I think so too. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of the people that, that are in this hobby, um, have a lot of their own pressures and things they have to deal with outside of it. And they don't want to have to deal with drama and shenanigans and, and issues with other people and, and whatnot um, while they're engaging what they enjoy. Right. Right. I think it's kind of created that space for people. And uh, we're very careful about guarding sort of that space and making sure it doesn't become a negative uh a negative source for people's lives. Right. I I find, I think there's bad apples in every group, but I find generally like the overwhelming reaction from the rest of the community. If something negative is going on is uh, to quickly kind of cut it off, end it and remove that situation or move that problem from the situation. Right. I think too, I know which people I'm following really want to talk about political things Mm, mm -hmm. or other things that 
maybe some people just like you're saying, they don't want to deal with that on a watch Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's my choice. If I choose to follow this person who's posting, um, politically relevant stories, Mm -hmm. but if I don't want that in my feed, then I don't have to follow them, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. that's been my experience. Um, that there are some people that I follow that some people probably would find too um, controversial or negative, but that's been my choice to follow them Mm -hmm. um, because I might find it interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I will also really love the, um, and you had one of them on as a guest, the guys who make what memes. Yes. um, Yes. Alex, you're authorized from your authorized dealer. Yes. Yes. There are some amazingly clever people out there. Yes. Um, and of course, I have to give a shout out to Bro Dinky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to be on your podcast. Yeah, March, uh, March 7th, he's on. So, so I beat him. I got him before he did. Perfect. Yeah, he. Uh, I know that uh, kind of, it, was, it was interesting. I, I, I'm not sure if you, you, I think based on what you're saying, you probably were already kind of in the watch community and established, but like, that little there's like that little moment that inception when uh every when all these watch meme pages kind of blew up all at once and it was with the release of the hodinky travel clock oh yes i, I was in and when that popped up i thought okay there's a big controversy about this clock i have to figure mm. out what it is well when i saw the price on it that was yeah. one oh, thing and then also the timing of releasing it when no one could travel was very mm-hmm. strange yeah oh there's that and there's some other issues i think with like the the actual quality of the movement especially for what mm-hmm. they were charging i know people had uh, opened the open the clock up and looked inside of it and they realized it um you know depending on your opinion i suppose i don't want to get myself in trouble but on depending on your opinion um it probably wasn't worth necessarily the price tag that was being asked for it um Mm -hmm. and then there were some quality control issues that some people pointed out so that's uh that was an interesting time but it kind of yeah i found like that was when like guys like uh, brodinky started up uh, your authorized dealer a couple other the meme pages that popped up they really that was kind of like the really the unifying and beginning the big bang if you would of uh watch memes and and getting people kind of looking at the more humorous side of the collection of the collecting hobby for sure and it was kind of a slow pitch Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Hodinky really set those guys up for yeah. an opportunity to to yes. do some funny things. So. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we talked, uh, touching on on obviously, there's like the subsection of um, like watch meme uh, pages. There's you know all sorts of people that that um, unify around certain types of watches, certain brands, things like that. One group that it seems kind of um, very like they keep to themselves and it's kind of secretive and it's almost a unique little exclusive club is the group of uh, female watch collectors on Instagram. So I think I, they're I, secretive. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a no boys allowed sign or how that works. <laughs> but well, uh, I'm not a member of any official group, but okay. I am a woman. I don't know. I don't know if there even is an official group. Is there like an Illuminati of, of female watch collectors? I, if there I don't is, know. I have, I've yet to be invited in, but now maybe I will be. Interesting. Can you, can you, can you shed some light on, on, I guess, uh, how 
on your interactions with some of those pages on sure. what on what that community is like within the watch collecting hobby mm -hmm. so first i want to say that i just mentioned that there are over 100 people in the boston watch shots group mm -hmm. there are, as to my knowledge there are three women in the group mm. and the other two women work in watches i think they work at jewelry stores okay so i'm the most active uh, female participant in the chat mm -hmm. and um, it's been interesting I've never been made to feel awkward um, sometimes the guys will say you know sort of like they want to be careful what they say around me mm -hmm. but I think they're getting to know now that they really don't have to be careful mm -hmm. um, so there's that aspect of it of feeling very much in the minority Mm -hmm. but feeling comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And then the other aspect is that I've noticed that the women that I interact with on Instagram are extremely supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. um, making comments, like I got a comment from, I had posted a face, um, a, a picture on my Instagram account that had my face in it. And uh, Watchbox Diaries, I think is the name of her page. Um, she's in the UK. And she made a comment and then said something to me. It was a, a direct message about, wow, you look so great. And I thought, what a nice thing to say, you know, how, how nice to build somebody up like that. Mm. And that's what I see. I see a lot of these women building each other up, whether it's about their watches or about the things that they post, or it's just an incredibly welcoming subset of the watch family mm -hmm. I've, I've seen. And I, the, one of the first podcasts I started listening to was 10 and two. And I was fascinated by the fact that these were two women where all the other podcasts I listened to were men. Mm -hmm. So I'm really proud of them for having done so well over the past year or so, whatever it's been, I can't remember if they've been around for two years, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and good for them. And, you know, it's been uh, really cool to see how women in the watch community are supporting other women. And you mentioned too about um, women and watches. And one of the things that I, as a woman watch collector, am excited about is that the sizes of watches seem to be coming down. Mm -hmm. I have a very small wrist, not only a woman, but I have a five and a half inch wrist. Mm -hmm. So if I want to buy a watch that looks good on my wrist, I have to really find out what the lug to lug um, size is and also what the size of the case is mm -hmm. so that it won't look odd on my wrist. Mm -hmm. um, do you own, and, do you own any watches that are branded as exclusively um, or I guess sold exclusively as like a female centric watch? Or do you strictly go by size and uh, dimensions? And, and like, I, I don't know what's in your collection. We'll touch on that in a couple of minutes. But okay. is, is that something that factors into your decision making is what the, the watch is or who the watch is in, intended to be for? Or do you find that it just you know, the design language that you prefer, the sizing and dimensions, and that's kind of what goes into the decision for you? I would say it's mostly the sizing and dimensions. I think I own one watch that's definitely a feminine watch okay um and i did buy that pretty early on i got excited about it it's mm -hmm. um a timex 
Mm, can't remember. I, I ironically, I think I've worn it once. Okay. And I wore it to go out to dinner with my daughters because mm. I said I bought this watch and now I have never worn it okay. because it's so dressy and I'm not going out anywhere. Mm. So they said, let's go out to dinner and you can wear your watch. So what I liked about it was the uniqueness of the hands. Mm. Um, so, but again, I have never even worn it to work because I think it would be a little hard to read mm. at work. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not even very attached to it. I'm far more attached to my, I guess what I would consider my unisex watches. Mm -hmm. um, and when I bought my uh, Aquas, my Oris Aquas, I went to the jewelry store. And first I had seen it online at, at an AD not far from me. And they had all the watches decided, divided into men's Oris and women's auras. Mm. And so when I went into the store, I went right to where they had the men's auras watches. And I thought, wouldn't it be smart for them to just market them as auras watches mm -hmm. instead of saying, because someone who maybe um, didn't know a lot about watches might walk in and not even look at this case of watches that are labeled as men's watches. A woman mm -hmm. might not even look at them and uh, she might miss out on getting a really fantastic watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that it's it can be, because um, I mean, there's always been like those very classical sizes, right? With like 36 millimeter, 34 millimeter going back maybe into like the 50s, mm -hmm. um, you know, 38 millimeter. And you see it sometimes pop up where people are saying like, oh, anything under 40 millimeters is now a women's watch or considered to be a feminine sized watch. Right. And I, you know, I think that that you bring up the valid point of it's like, well, you're kind of just creating division about and, and maybe someone, maybe a man with a smaller wrist doesn't want to wear a 40 millimeter piece. Right. And maybe right. a woman, maybe a, a female has an appreciation for a larger piece or, or a piece that you know, would be marketed as a men's watch, but they just like it for themselves. Do you right. think that um, the increase in popularity of smaller sizing has to do with more women getting involved in the hobby? I don't think so. No? I think it's just like everything else, our clothing, fashions change, even glasses, mm -hmm. you know, in the, I guess it was in the 80s, Everybody had large wire rim glasses. Then they went into smaller frames. Now frames are getting, you know, got bigger again. I think it's just that trends come and go. Mm -hmm. um, I could be wrong, but I, I think it's just that there was a period of time where watches that are 43, 44, 46 cent, uh, millimeters were very common. And now it seems to be, that's backing down and watches are getting smaller again. Mm -hmm. So who knows in six or eight years, they we might be bigger again. Mm -hmm. I like the look of a really large watch on my wrist. I think mm -hmm. it makes a statement. It has a lot of presence. Um, and I, I just like, I mean, it looks large on my wrist on a guy with a seven and a half inch wrist. It wouldn't look so large, um, but I like the look. What are the dimensions you're wearing of the HP one? What are the dimensions of curiosity? I used to have them actually written down so that when I was looking at other watches, I could compare. I think that's the case size is 39 and the lug to lug is 47. 
Okay, very wearable, definitely. Yeah, I I don't don't hold me to that, but uh, fair enough. <laughs> when you have Jonathan on, you can ask. Him. Yeah, I'll have to get into that with him for sure. So you have the HP one, you have some yes. Timexes, you have the Laurier. What else is in your collection? Okay, so I have uh, five brew. And before I describe my collection, let me just say that I've heard on a couple of podcasts that sometimes new watch collectors go crazy okay. and buy a whole bunch of watches. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then they kind of figure out what they really like mm -hmm. and they narrow down mm -hmm. going forward and sell off some of their watches. Mm -hmm. I have not sold any watches yet, mm -hmm. but I may. Okay. I'm just not ready to do that yet. Sure. But I have um, five brew. Okay. I have um, the Retromatic, mm -hmm. but you have, what color is your dial? I have the, the black dial with the yellow set. Okay. Set. Yeah. And I have the Burgundy. Beautiful. That was I a... love that watch. And it's smaller and it, mm -hmm. it really fits my wrist really, really well. And that was like a, it's like a metallic Burgundy, correct? Like it's kind yes, of, it has a sunburst dial and in different lights, it the shade of the reddish color changes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an amazing uh, dial. And that's powered by the NH35? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. They so they made they made the burgundy with the metallic dial and then they did the uh, green metallic dial as well with the NH35, correct? Right. And then the um the blue and the black are the with blue the and black Salida. Are, yeah. Salida. Yeah, the yeah. Swiss movement. Okay. And have an open case back instead of just the little window the little window that. yeah that that yeah. that green one the, the blue and the green were beautiful colors I know my wife uh really wanted to brew and unfortunately by the time she saw mine and was a and decided she wanted one they were they were already sold out so. oh he's restocking soon is he I didn't yes. think I didn't know he was doing uh I thought he wasn't going to do any more runs I guess maybe there's I thought not end. too but he's mentioned lately that he is going to restock so keep an eye on the website or oh. let him know you want it an email. I wonder if there'll be any more interesting colors. I'm going to have to. Uh, I don't know if he's changing the colors or not. Um, I'm yeah. going to have to have a talk with Jonathan when he's on <laughs> and see what see if he can do me any favors. We'll see. Yes, you definitely should. Well, there you go. So, you, heard, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from me. Yes. Jonathan, help out Eric. <laughs> um, so then, I like I said, I was really initially very interested in the retro um, retrographs okay. but they were out of stock so then when i kept watching when they came back in stock i couldn't decide between the technicolor and the um teal okay because i thought the teal was so unique and so mm -hmm. i mean also very similar with this the sunburst so i ended up getting both of them <clears throat> because i couldn't make up my mind oh the, my goodness yeah the uh the technicolor sorry the teal one is like a very unique very yes. unique uh a color and yep. for, for people who are listening either uh head over to debbie's uh instagram page to see these pieces at uh is it case underscore and underscore crown yes that's or correct. or head over to youtube at rico's watches podcast and watch the video and you can see these pieces as well and so the other one that's the technicolor this is the Technicolor. It's a blue dial, and then it's got uh, red mm -hmm. hands on the um, 
subdials and it's got the our hands are light blue so there's a lot of different colors in it which mm -hmm. i you know that's why he calls it the technicolor mm -hmm. and um so here's the master graph that i have lovely and uh so yeah so i have five brew watches so um and maybe yeah. you could answer like so those those like uh chronograph style pieces were they also mm -hmm inspired by uh, vintage espresso machines or was it only like the the later uh, like the retromatics that had like the grading on the dial and all those little features that were more inspired by these machines all of his watches have a tie-in to going for coffee and sitting in a coffee shop and the coffee machines okay. so even the dial on the hp1 mm -hmm. is um inspired by the timer on an espresso machine at, that a barista would use okay. and he can tell you the whole story it's a fascinating yeah. story about when he was designing it and how mm -hmm. he actually talked with um barista about it mm -hmm. and um these watches have markers for timing a shot of espresso okay so yes they're very tied into the whole coffee um experience and especially for being in the coffee shop and the baristas and everything so so those are my brew watches mm -hmm. and then i have three laurier i have the neptune that was my first and i really wanted the falcon which is a little smaller that's a 36 inch and that one um I got a blue dial with it's blue and silver. And okay. again, I am finding that a 36 is a really great size for my mm. wrist. Okay. Um, and just feels really nice. And this dial has a waffle pattern on it. So I oh, love watches cool. that are unique mm -hmm. in some way. And mm -hmm. I don't probably isn't picking up on the camera very well, but um, no, but definitely that's another reason to head over to your Instagram page. And yeah, see you can this see it better piece. there. Yes. Sure. And then uh, when I saw I didn't have a GMT watch and it was so funny when I started collecting and I coming across all these terms like lugs and GMT and Crown. And I had Google was my best friend. I was constantly looking things up. And so I had looked up what a GMT watch was mm -hmm. and I hadn't bought one. And then when I saw Laurier was putting out a GMT watch, I was like, I have to stop buying watches. I'm not going to buy this watch. No, I'm not buying it. Well, I think that lasted about a month. And then I bought the Laurier GMT, uh, so can, the Hyperion. Can you tell me a little bit about the Laurier brand? Like I've seen them mm -hmm. around. I, I know I, I recognize them when I see them, but I don't really know anything about the brand itself. Can you tell me sure. a little bit? Yes, I'd love to. So the owners are a husband and wife team. Okay. They were school teachers. They live in New York City and um, they just decided one day that well, probably not one day over a period of time that they would like to try designing watches. Mm -hmm. And I learned all this from hearing them in podcasts. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they set about designing. I don't know what their first watch was. They have another watch called the Gemini, which I do not own. Um, but they really like the aesthetic of a more vintage looking watch. Mm. And they have just like brew watches, there's a lot of attention to detail. I mean, 
what I love hearing them talk about and and Jonathan Ferrer too talking about the steps of designing and all the things they're thinking about mm -hmm. like the Hyperion they put a Pepsi bezel on it but yeah. it's not the bright red and blue it's a a very soft deep red um and they said they tried so many different shades of red it has a um, roulette date on it and mm. again they wanted just the right red on that date window mm -hmm. um and so i just loved hearing about their process of how they got into designing and um and having a watch business um and one of the things that struck me i think on the first podcast i heard them on was that they both have small wrists okay he says he has a small wrist for a man. I don't remember what size his wrist is. So I thought, oh, that probably works in my favor with their watches. They mm -hmm. might fit me well. So um, then my other micro brands are, so does that answer your question about Laurier? Yes, I, no, that's, that's, you taught me more than I knew coming in. So that's perfect. You know, one of the things I love about the micro brands is knowing about the people who own these brands. Mm -hmm. And also that, um, for example, I had ordered, um, it must've been the Falcon. And I actually got an email from either Lauren or Lorenzo, the owners of Laurier saying, you know, sorry, you're still waiting. The, for the Falcon, shouldn't be too much longer. And I wrote back and said, don't worry, I'm enjoying my Neptune. That'll keep me happy until, you know, the next watch arrives. But I thought how nice to reach out and say, sorry that you're still waiting. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's such personal attention from the owners and that's something I appreciate. You definitely get that personal touch, right? And, and I mm -hmm. find that they're, they're so much more uh, keen to interact with the watch community and yes. they're, they're so much more accessible, right? It, it's especially like for, for what I'm doing where I'm starting out here and like the, the overwhelming support and the level of how open these, these owners have been to come and be on the show and, and be featured on the show and help support the podcast and support the community. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible. They're they're It's, it's amazing how, how keen they are to uh, engage and be open with everyone. And then, yeah, sending like personal emails and things like that. Like it's, it'd be pretty rare for you to get a, a personal email from like the CEO of Omega or Rolex, right? <laughs> Sorry, you're still waiting for that OP. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so th this was funny too. On my Instagram page, the first time I posted a picture of the Laurier Neptune, mm -hmm. I was then scrolling through Instagram and I saw Laurier had stories, you know, so I'm looking and there was my photo. Oh. I couldn't believe it. Laurier watches had reposted my photo. Well, now I understand, you know, it happens all the time. These, especially the micro brand owners will repost, you know, but the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, I can't even believe it. This is so exciting. And I mm. still get excited if I see one of my photos reposted in Brew or Laurier or Astor and Banks. Um, it's, mm. it's so cool. And that's mm. another thing that you don't get with the large watch companies. Definitely. So, um, so I also own two Astor and Banks. Do you know oh. that um, micro brand? 
heard of them. I am not uh, familiar with their lineup, though. So if you want to go through it, please, by sure. all means. Yeah. So uh, Andrew is the owner. He mm -hmm. It's a Chicago-based company. And I, again, heard him on a podcast. I was very impressed. He's a veteran. And he did talk about how, or maybe he didn't even talk about it. Somehow I heard uh, that he gives back to the community with um, supporting veterans uh, so he gives back some of, of the money that he makes through selling watches and beautiful uh, NATO straps too. Mm. He has really nice NATO straps. Um, I think it has to do with housing for veterans. Okay. What he does. But I was very impressed by that. So I thought I'm going to go look at his watches. Mm -hmm. And I bought um, his dive watch, the Sea Ranger mm -hmm. in a blue and um so that was a, a watch that I really enjoyed wearing last summer, swimming yes, yeah. and kayaking. Just beautiful. Absolutely. And then this fall, he came out with a slightly smaller watch. And this is the Fortitude. And this okay. one has the Mother of Pearl dial, which oh my goodness. I know a lot of people would say that is a more feminine, probably dial, but I do see a lot of guys wearing it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's not showing up well here with my lighting. Is but, that on like a blue suede strap? Or? Yes. So this, it came on a bracelet, but also came with a blue suede strap um, because he sells the watches with on the bracelet and you get a strap and this was very touching first of all i have to say that the week that this watch came i got four watches in one week it just happened that way because i had ordered this one before probably in november and it came right before christmas and then two other watches i had ordered in the summer or whatever so i didn't expect to get four watches in one week it just fell that they all came well, when I opened this watch, I literally did start crying because I was so impressed by how beautiful it was. And I was also very touched because this strap that he included for me was a, a, small, a short strap. The length is short because usually when I have a leather strap or I have to punch an extra hole or two in it. Okay. And so I messaged him and I said, Andrew, is this an unusually short strap? And he said, yes, I had a few of the short ones. So I made sure that you got a short one. Now, again, what other type of watch company is going to take that personal attention to know that I would really appreciate getting a shorter watch strap? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. It so sounds... It sounds like one of the things and one of the reoccurring themes There's a couple of reoccurring themes I'm noticing in your in your collection and in the things that you're appreciating about these micro brands. First of most being you really appreciate the human like the human interaction right that yes. that, that personal touch that these people are putting on their products and and behind their brand names right and how uh, they view the consumer as a person and part of the and part of the community and their acting as part of the community, right? Not just as a brand and viewing you strictly as a consumer, right? right. So they, they go above and beyond quite mm -hmm. often, right? And, and I think mm -hmm. that, that that's something that you've, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that something that you really appreciate about the watch community and micro brands? Yes, you've explained it perfectly. Yes. I appreciate that they want to have a personal relationship um, prefer personal, but professional mm. with their 
the owners of their watches. They mm. want to connect with them and um, enjoy. I think some of them in particular enjoy watching the owners of their watches enjoying their watches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Mm -hmm. That's been my impression. Mm -hmm. um, so let me just, since I've, since I've now started pulling watches out, this sure. is the Burgundy um, Retromatic. I love it. So you and can see how the light plays on the dial. And was that the only one they had that didn't have a yellow seconds hand? Yes. Yeah, I remember I that too. I think he said he played around with possibly putting... A contrasting color on the second hand but it just didn't work right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so he can tell you about how he the layers on the dial and how he had some different ideas about putting contrasting colors behind mm. you know that you could see through the perforations and that just didn't work the design the design aesthetic wasn't there mm -hmm. um so then my other um brands that i just own one of these other micro brands sure. <laughs> rather than a slew of them so far have, <laughs> so far i have the notice sector okay yes and this one i put on a red strap because it's got some red um highlights on the dial okay um so i put it on a red strap but this one is a gray dial mm -hmm. and i picked out the sector i heard the guys from notice on a podcast i really liked what they had to say. And I loved when I looked at their website, I loved the watches. The sector was the smallest watch they had. So I waited for that to get restocked. And then I did order the Montenoble actually the day it came out in the summer, the day they launched. But then I had to wait. I didn't, they, that was when they announced the, um, the watch, but it didn't come in, wasn't actually available until december and again mm. you can't really see it here um but this is the opaline silver dial mm -hmm. so this is probably one of the dressier watches i have other than that timex mm -hmm. um but this is a really pretty watch mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like it very much that monta there they have like a their own kind of version of like a glide lock class or something like that yes as well. they do they do now I will say it's amazing. You can adjust the size very easily on the go, you know, because even the watches that have micro adjust clasps, you need a tool, mm -hmm. but this one you don't. However, for my little wrist, it's a very long clasp. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that is um, for me, for this bracelet, I mean, you can see how small I have to make the bracelet to get it yes. to fit on my wrist. And so the clasp is very long. Yes. But on the average size wrist, adult wrist, um, people love this clasp. And mm. it is really nice to be able to just slide that, um, the sizing very quickly. A very so. thin profile on that watch. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Very it's nice. beautiful. And it comes in a gorgeous gorgeous blue dial mm -hmm. uh i can't think of the term now but the color fades from a lighter color in the center going out um but i love blue so much and i have so much blue that i decided to get the opaline silver just to be to do something different so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i don't regret it it's very beautiful so absolutely that. very cool and there and so monta are they the same or they they fall under the same parent company that does uh, Everest watch bands as well, yes. correct? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, they're they're a very interesting brand. And they're are they based in the United States? They're yes, I believe they're in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, very cool. I believe. But again, just like with the dimensions on the brew HP1, no one should, you know, hold me to that. But I believe St. Louis, yes. We're about people and watches, not numbers and measurements. So <laughs> good. Because I don't know any reference numbers on any watches it's okay I'm, I'm proud of the fact that i know the names of these watches i don't necessarily know all their reference numbers some reference numbers at some brands are getting so ridiculous now as well they're like 16 digits long and you're like oh my god i can't i can't keep track of this so i'm I always you. amazed when i hear people rattling off these reference numbers mm -hmm. it's very impressive mm -hmm. i don't have a memory for numbers like that so. no nor do i so, I, so I, totally I do have understand. to say i got this watch today oh okay and uh it came in the mail today now this is another one that i this is my first kickstarter and it is the um, mitch mason Yes. Oh, yes. You can see that one pretty well. Yes. This is the blue dial. Mm -hmm. It just arrived today. Haven't even posted it on Instagram yet. So mm -hmm. this is an, you're getting an exclusive viewing of it here. I'm honored. I love the blue and yes. orange. The, um, the Astor and Banks Sea Ranger is a blue dial with an orange second hand. And mm -hmm. this is as well. Um, and this came all the way from Singapore. Mm. They, yeah. I, I, still, I remember seeing them. So it's kind of like, they're like a, a field watch type of theme. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's got, I think 200 meters of water resistance, screw down crown. The crown's really cool. Um, and I, I really like the hands. I, I heard somebody say, oh, I like the watch, but I'm not crazy about the hand, but I love the hour hand. I think it's very um, unique. I like the, uh, the numerals on the day yes. as well. And that unique, it doesn't look like they're hooded lugs, but they're sort of a unique lug kind of design yes. to them. Yeah, it's very, very like, uh, reminds me of kind of like vintage Grand Seiko a little bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it came with, it's a quick release strap, which I really like. Awesome, uh, yeah. And it came with two straps. And the um, numerals, I love applied hour markers. These are actually, uh, I don't know the correct term to describe it, but it's a sandwich dial. So the, the hour markers are actually under the like, recess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very cool. So that's very different from anything else I have too. So I got to get a picture of this up on Instagram. I and I did tell Ben, the owner that I was going to be on here and that I would be sure to mention, I said, if the watch arrives, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Awesome. Well, if he ends up watching this, uh, congratulations on the new release. That's yeah, a fantastic. He got piece. really the Kickstarter, I think went very well. And that's I'm great. really happy for him. Um, go ahead. I think that's one thing that is really interesting and what I find very cool about micro brands is like they're able to kind of like pick and choose the best things in the watch industry and put them into one piece. They're not like a, um, you know, like especially the new ones that are starting out, they're not really like a prisoner to their own design language, you mm -hmm. know, where it's like they're able to adapt new ideas, they're able to adapt them quickly they're able to uh, and then get that out that pro into their product and out to the consumers. Right. And I think like a perfect example of that is um, the quick release spring bars that you're seeing on a lot of micro brands. Right. That's something that is still pretty new to a lot of the established large companies. Right. Or that you're not really seeing come out a lot. Um, whereas with the micro brands is becoming almost an expectation that you're going to have quick release spring bars nowadays. Right. 
It's becoming much more common. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do love bracelets, but I found mm-hmm. as the weather got colder, it was kind of nice to, um, to go, go to the leather. Um, so, so I have two auras. Mm-hmm. I already mentioned the aquas, which is, this is the, um, the clean ocean. Mm-hmm. So the back on this one, the case back is, um, pieces of plastic that have been recycled. I think that came from the ocean, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a beautiful watch. Just Absolutely. The, the dial is, but you can see, I love blue and uh, yeah, I have to avoid buying all blue dials. And then um, when I went to get the Oris Aquas, I saw this, or maybe I'd seen it on their website, the uh, big crown pointer date. Mm-hmm. And I do love large crowns on watches. Mm-hmm. And this is a really cool, this is, this watch is a strap monster. Mm-hmm. Every strap I've put on it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So I love those two watches. What are the sizing on those? Um, these are, are bigger. I think, uh, these are 39 or 40, both of them. Okay. So it's not, so it's not um, the Aquas isn't a 43 mo- uh, millimeter model. No, then. definitely not. No, okay. no, no, no. Um, and I hadn't worn it for a while. It's thick. Mm-hmm. I hadn't worn it for a while. And then I'm involved in this watch hashtag watch feast on Instagram where people are posting a new watch every day, going through their entire collection. Okay. So I put this one on. I, I will, haven't been wearing my dive watches as much when the weather got colder. Um, and I was like, wow, that's a thick watch, but it really feels great on my wrist. I, I don't know how they did that, but um, even though I have a small wrist, it, it's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm coming to the end here. I have a watch that I won in a giveaway. Okay. Um, from I think the the Instagram handle is wrist tool, if I remember correctly. They were giving away this nifty little Seiko Lovely. when they got 500 followers, and I was the winner. I was so excited. So this amazing. is my only Seiko, and this is a nice little watch. It's a quartz mm. watch. Um, and it has a day date, which is the only day date I have and nice and light and came on this really nice, uh, NATO, which I can't remember the brand NATO, but it's a nice one. Hmm. And I, ha- I had to buy a G-Shock last summer. So I wanted to have classic looking G-Shock. Yes, so absolutely. That. And then I also last summer bought this, um, swatch. Okay. Kind of commemorating my system 51 my red and black this one is the summer one that came out um last summer lovely that one is kind of big on my wrist and that was one uh, one of the first watches i bought i would say so i didn't realize how large it would be on my wrist and then this little armatron my daughter and son-in-law gave me when they got married um that must have been in 2017 Mm -hmm. they got married and that was a gift that they gave me and so this is a nice little watch. I wore it all the time when I was running um, because it, it just felt so nice and light on my wrist. And I did like to be able to watch the time when I was running. And then the, the last watch is not a micro brand. <laughs> this oh. is my Rolex. Okay. I The story of this is that I got very interested in the OPs, the 36 millimeter OPs that came Mm. out with the blue turquoise, the dial. 
So I found an AD and went there. And of course, they didn't have any. Mm -hmm. But he took my name down. And while I was there, he had this um, date just with a blue dial. And I thought, wow, that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I didn't buy it. But I would stop in every so often just to keep my relationship with him going and make sure he knew I was still interested in that OP if he ever got one. And um, on the Saturday before Christmas, he contacted me and said, you know, that date just, well, he had told me that date just that he had in the store had sold. It had a smooth bezel. Mm. So he contacted me and he said, I got, just got a new date just in fluted bezel on a jubilee bracelet it's a 36 with a blue dial <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh i can't believe i'm thinking of buying this so i messaged the guys in my watch group the boston watch shots and i said oh my gosh what should i do what should i do and they were laughing because they said you know what we were going to say mm. he said get to your ad right now and buy that watch so they were cheering me on and messaging me have you left the house yet have awesome. you you know are you there where are the pictures yeah so i said well i'll go and i'll go and look at it but of course i knew i was going to buy it and uh yes i do love that watch so even though i'm a micro brand queen i have to say i love my uh rolex it's i've enjoyed wearing it very much you're the micro brand queen and that's your crown there you go Oh, very nice. Very nice. Love Perfect. It. Very cool. That's awesome. Yes. So, so what is next for the collection? What mm. are, what are you excited about? What's, what are you hoping for to get your hands on next? Right. Um, I'm still hoping to get a phone call or a message about the Rolex OP 36 mm. blue, uh, the Tiffany blue dial. Mm -hmm whether i'll feel like i can spend that amount of money i'm not sure mm -hmm. i have i'm i don't know we'll see what happens okay i'm sort of hoping i don't get the call okay i also like i've gotten to really like the rolex explorer yes um, again and that's been through the influence of the boston watch shots group there's a mm -hmm. guy in the group who kept telling me what a great watch the explorer would be for me and i was like eh. But just like with the Speedy, the more pictures I see of it, the more I like it. Yeah. Um, oh, I'd love to have a Speedy. Um, they're, the professional would be too big on my wrist. And I've thought about the reduced, but I've heard, read too many things about the movements in the reduced and the way they're stacked. And mm -hmm. so then there's the first Omega in space, I think is a little mm -hmm. smaller. And that's a possibility too. But those are just things I have in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. The next big watch purchase I will probably make would be a Fears watch yeah. All right. with the salmon dial. Yes. Um, yes. I actually did contact them because they make so few at a time and they, they don't have any in stock right now, but I did contact them and say that I was interested. So they said they would email me um, when the watch comes in. But again, that's another case of, I heard the story of the fierce watch owner and how he resurrected the company mm -hmm. after it had been closed for, I think, 40 years. Mm -hmm. um, it was his family owned company, really interesting story about his watches. And then I heard him on another podcast. Well, one thing he did was when everything closed down last spring um, 
in England, he went out and got a job stocking shelves somewhere so that he wouldn't have to lay off any of the workers and he could keep the company going. And that impressed me tremendously. Wow. And also um, just hearing the details of how that dial was designed and how it's produced was fascinating to me, how they brush the dial and what it's the how they get the color and each dial is a little different mm -hmm. um, even in the salmon so mm -hmm. so we'll see we'll see what happens with that um, as i said i'm thinking i probably need to part with some of these watches but i'm not quite ready yet it's not no rush right i right. mean i mean it's, it's nice to have a variety in the collection right yes what uh, that isn't necessarily going to be a next purchase, but what are some other pieces that are out there that you find very interesting? I know you touched on like the Explorer, you touched on uh, Speedmaster. Is there anything else that you kind of think is, is a noteworthy piece or something worth discussing? Grand Seiko's have been catching my eye lately. Yes. What, which one specifically? I don't even know, but yeah. it's whenever Grand Seiko comes up in Instagram, I like, Oh, there's another one. So beautiful. There's another mm. one. That's so beautiful. Um, so I would have to do some research and find out maybe which one I was really interested in, mm -hmm. but I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not looking to buy one right now, but I have realized that, uh, I do love the look of them. There's something about them that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that's another brand that's been catching my eye lately. So. Mm -hmm. No, it's very impressive the way they've kind of started to claw out that chunk of the market and uh, really expand, particularly in the United States, but they're, they're really expanding quite a bit and building up a lot of infrastructure to be able to support their brand outside of Japan, which is really, mm -hmm. really neat, really neat to see and kind of cool. It adds a little bit more uh, variation to the, the big players that are in the game as yes. well, right? Yeah, yes. for sure. For sure. And then, so you, I, I know you kind of talked about the Tiffany OP. Um, I, that's my wife's favorite as well, too. She really it wants seems she, to be everyone's favorite. She either wants I mean, one of those or, or a, a rose gold uh, date just is what she wants to get mm, as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, the I like the pink too. I mean, I'd like to see it in person, mm -hmm. but of course the first color that caught my eye when they first announced them was the blue, but mm -hmm. the pink would be really different and unique too. So that's like a cotton candy pink, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not super bright. It's a mm -hmm. soft pink and mm -hmm. I'd like to see the red. I told the AD, if you get a red one in, I'd love to see it. I don't know mm -hmm. that I'd buy it, but I, I really want to see it in person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very unique so then so what is the would you say that's your grail then or do you have a grail piece in mind as well what is your definition of a grail watch i feel like i already bought my grail watch that like that <laughs> piece that, just i guess like that piece that you love to have one day but is like a little unobtainable right now mm, i guess i guess yeah. yeah i guess that would be my grail um and maybe a speedmaster okay. as well Okay. Um, just because I'd really have to do some research about which one would be good for me. I did try on at an Omega AD. I tried on the, um, the professional and it just held it up to my wrist. And I was like, oh no, that doesn't work for me. Mm. It, as much as I like having a big watch, it was just, it was too big. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I don't know if I, if I like it so much, just because every Tuesday, my Instagram is saturated with with speedies so it's sort of like 
you know, you want a speed master. I know. <laughs> you want a speed master. I know, I know. Uh, it's, it's one of those, like, another one of those like unifying pieces in the community, I guess, That's right? True. But yes. it's not, I don't know. I, I can kind of see where it's like, you don't want to necessarily have the same thing that everybody else has because mm-hmm. then you're, you're kind of, it kind of makes it a little bit boring, right? It's uh, part of That's what's cool. Right. Part That's of what's cool right. is, is like the variation amongst collections, right? Yes. Or, you know, in the different pieces, because then you can have discussions like this and you can learn things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and on that note, I've had a, a fantastic time learning from you and seeing your incredible collection. Uh, thank thank you. you. Thank you so much for coming out and, and sharing it with me and with our my audience and uh, informing us on all these really unique brands and, and the, the cool pieces that uh, you really enjoy. Um, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, the best and I guess the only way is on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, at case underscore and underscore crown. And thank you so much for inviting me on. And I love promoting the micro brands. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really honored that I had the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm pleased that you uh, took the time to come on and uh, definitely we'll be having some of the micro brands as guests in the near future. So definitely be sure to stay tuned. And for, and for those listening, uh, you can uh, contact myself through my Instagram page, which is Rico's watches podcast or through YouTube at Rico's Watches Podcast channel. You can email me at uh, Rico's Watches Podcast at gmail.com if you or someone you know would like to be on the show. Other than that, if you could please like, subscribe, hit that bell icon. It helps support the page. It helps uh, me continue to grow and bring you guys great content. Thank you very much and signing off.